Uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Scandi Sports Podcast, real spur of the moment podcast here. <laughs> We're gonna get rid of that. <laughs> um, Free advertising. Yeah. Well, we, we've been we're trying to work on it. That's uh that's one of the goals. But um, you can hear him. You can see him if you're on YouTube. Uh, we got the infamous Coach Tony McIntyre. Um, Coach, how's it going? How's I'm everything good. been? Good. Having fun. You're, uh, How about you? We're we're all good. You're over here at the playground, Burlington, about to watch your son tip off. So we're gonna get you out here uh, quickly to make that. Um, but I I guess just to start off with my where my head was at um, mainly when I wanted to ask you to to come to the show is that um, this was my first year covering prep with any sort of depth. So before this year, I've heard Orangeville, Orangeville, Orangeville. And then we go into this year, and it looks like there was, you know, uh, a really wide range of good teams this year. Um, how was was this year any different than years past? Was it maybe more competitive than uh, previous? Um, I wouldn't say it's more competitive. I, I would say that there was just a lot more teams this year, and the, the you know, from from the the best teams in the league to the the ones that kind of just entered the league, there was a huge disparity mm -hmm. um, between those. So I think. You know, generally the league somewhere between you know one and five, uh, you know, are, are pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, year after year, this year I think it was it was pretty much the same. One through five were pretty good, and you know we lost TRC, we picked up Fort Erie mm -hmm. uh, out of the league. So I I mean, it's growing. Uh, I think there's some work to be done in terms of you know positioning certain teams and and making sure that 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 top you know eight teams is very strong and competitive. And do you think um, with having such a strong top of the uh, talent pool, it'll be easier to convince guys to stay here you know, as opposed to maybe pursuing prep in the States? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the trends really switched. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic, I think some people made the decision to go back to the States during that just because of the state that we were in. And, and it was open. For it, yeah. And we, we couldn't play. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's what we have to kind of fight against and, and try to, uh, you know, we retained all of our players and, you know, we probably could have made, made some changes in, in personnel, mm -hmm. but we, we stuck with the guys that stayed loyal and mm -hmm. um, worked out all through the pandemic and, and we're in our bubble at Orangeville. So Yeah, and uh, speaking of you guys from last year, uh, pretty much in short order, we had three commitments relatively soon uh, or relative, relatively recently. Uh, I believe Rhode Island got two of your guys, and then uh, Jefferson went to Western Michigan. West, Western Michigan. Perfect. So yeah, they those three are done. Uh, MJ committed back in uh, November, December. Mm -hmm. uh, so that makes the uh, the four. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just on the verge right now of Keontae Beals. Um, yeah, and then uh, Mustafa Van Jov and uh, Kenyon Sterling Brown will announce in the next uh, couple of days. So that'll make eight seniors mm -hmm. um, or seven seniors. Um, you know, in a pretty good year uh, that we're really stuck in the pandemic last year. Yeah, so. how much of a struggle was it to to get tape out there and to uh, and I'm going to ask you about the transfer portal a different question. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was. This is this is the hardest year, and and when you really look at prep basketball in Canada, mm -hmm. I use the Bile Steel game as kind of a judgment stick of mm -hmm. you know those are the top 24 guys in the in in Canada. Um, or Canadian mm -hmm. because they are from some are still playing in the U.S. Right. But 
you look at it and I think this year out of the 24, there was like five committed and yeah. usually it's about 21, 22 committed. And it's right. just like one or two grade 11 or 12 guys that aren't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of look at what, what's happened in, in high school basketball this year. And it, it's kind of like a 70, 80% reduction in, in scholarships on the men's side. Yeah. On the women's side, it was the, the exact opposite. There was, yeah. you know, 20 of 24 girls committed. Um, so it's just, you know, it's difficult. Um, you gotta, you gotta use your resources. You gotta mm -hmm. uh, be reaching out and we're, we're lucky that we're, we're in the grind session and we got a lot of video and a lot of film yeah. and we played, you know, 50, 60 games this year. So there's plenty to go on, uh, and then synergy on top of that. Yeah. And, and you were talking about, uh, how, how the girls are still getting their scholarships. I remember, uh, uh, seeing you at King's Christian sort of like commitment day. I think what their whole starting five is going D1. Yeah, they had. I think they had eight or nine girls yeah. all going D one this year. So yeah, yeah, we're hanging out there with my daughter. And I was I was poking fun at you uh, at BioSteel. I I don't remember, but I told you I've only been to uh, I think three Kings Christian games, and I think their record was or two, two, and they uh, lost yeah, both. Yeah, and they lost. <laughs> so and uh, you won't be going back. <laughs> no, and I was talking to uh, Nicola. He, he trains here too, and like he was ha he had a great season at northwestern and i was hesitant to ask because i watched one game and it was a tip off against colgate and i think he went oh for something and like it's just anywhere i look like the people like you know they do the they do the podcast they do well as long as i'm not watching afterwards you know so hey. i'll watch as little orange as possible next year <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> we might need it yeah yeah i don't like to advertise that before the fact or else maybe you won't sit down you yeah. know i'll see you there and we're like no nah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah i'll just be looking at the wall with the camera behind me <laughs> face backwards um but we were talking about biosteel and um i was actually talking to uh pierre mukundel yesterday we did a, a podcast yesterday and we were talking about how like this year has to be some sort of anomaly in terms of just the talent pool that you guys had to draw from because Elijah Fisher obviously had NBA buzz since he was, you know, a preteen. Leonard Miller exploded this year. Afo says regard as one of those guys. Can you recall another year where we had maybe, you know, multiple guys looking at the NBA potentially? Um, I don't know about the NBA, but I mean the the league itself and 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 Biosteel, I mean, you look at it and you always got, you know, two or three guys that, mm -hmm. that are just like you know, got that NBA buzz or, or could be one and done. And, um, you know, and, and then you look at the OSBA is, you know, we, we started out way back when we had Jamal Thon, um, mm -hmm. all on one team and Justin Jackson was at TRC yeah, yeah. rise. Um, so you had that, that buzz with that. And, and then you just fast forward Lugans Dort and Addison Patterson and, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, all the guys that were at Thorn Lee, mm -hmm. um, there's there's a lot of guys there. So I mean, it's it's always been pretty competitive. I yeah. think the anomaly this year was there's a, a lot of buzz around all those guys, but there wasn't a lot of scholarship offers being thrown right. around. It's crazy. Well, I mean, Leonard, I'd put him in his own little box because he has the unique option of you know of declaring for the draft this year. But between the other guys at BioSteel specifically, it's like. None of you guys are are logged yeah. in yet. And what what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? It's crazy. I, I say this to everybody, and and you know, explaining to parents, you mm -hmm. know, as a senior or or a guy that that's going through the process, I say like, this year was the perfect storm um, against high school seniors. Um, yeah. Because you look at you know everyone in college basketball is really sitting there with a, a free COVID year, mm -hmm. uh, and that's gonna that's gonna dry up in the next year or two when those freshmen now use it. Yeah. Um, 
but you got a lot of people that that stayed, um, which would normally free up spots. And then on top of it, you go and add the transfer portal now, and Um, you got college coaches, you know, looking at like, hey, who could stay? Who's going to leave? Who could I get? And Mm. why would I bring an 18-year-old in when I could bring a 22-year-old in? Yeah. Uh, A guy that I don't got to teach how to be, you know, a a freshman, uh, a guy who I don't have to worry about academically, a guy who's Mm -hmm. been through the rigors of a college basketball season or two. Mm -hmm. So I I think it was was a perfect storm. I say that 2024 class, uh, I think it's going to calm back down into Mm -hmm. that class when everyone's used those COVID years and uh, and now you're just going against the transfer portal. That's super interesting because I I never even realized that part. I thought it was just like the seniors that were getting an extra year because of COVID, like if you're going to your fifth. But everyone got that year. It's everyone gets a COVID year. So That's nutty. (laughs) And I think that's why it was so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I look at the, the transfer portal and when, you know, I'll say it, it's, it's free agency in college basketball, mm-hmm. really, when it comes down to it. No, I agree. You don't like it, leave. Don't like it, leave. And I, I don't know, I'm not all for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I have some kids that have transferred and, um, you know, it works out and, and sometimes it just fit. Um, but I think they need to do something about it, um, you know, put put some restrictions on it um, in terms of like if your coach gets fired or your yeah. coach leaves, you get to transfer. That That's acceptable. Yeah. I think, right? Absolutely. The person that recruited you brought you in is gone. Then. A thousand percent. Yeah. But just, you know, not getting what you wanted mm-hmm. or, or not being as productive as you wanted in the first year, like, okay, I'm out and I'm yeah. out. And it just seems like it's too easy. Um, yeah. Whereas on the girls side, the transfer portal is not so critical because i think they take their time and Mm -hmm. they're they're more loyal they're more committed i think they Mm -hmm. do their research more before they pick the school yeah and Um, they're going a year earlier most of the time too they're going straight from grade 12 absolutely (laughs) absolutely so you know you look at it and and you know we we just got to weather the storm right now and we got to put good product on the floor and and make those college coaches want the kids i I was i was always uh wondering why the candidates have a like uh, i don't know if you watch soccer or not but in soccer they have the the transfer or the you know the, the kind of like the free agency windows and it's like between th- this day and this day there's a movement period and after that it's it's like it's almost like a trade deadline right mm-hmm. i feel like okay the uh, march madness ends end of april or mid or early april just say you know mid april to you know the second week of may or third week of may that's your transfer portal lock it and then let these kids find See, a spot i i think i think where you got to do it is is I don't think you should be able to, it, it's unfortunate, yeah. but like it's got, there's got to be some deterrent and, mm-hmm. and I don't think you should be able to play out your whole season and then say, I'm out of here mm-hmm. because then what you do is you freeze the recruiting on high school seniors. Right. And so, you know, Definitely. you, you wait till April. Now you say you have till May. Mm-hmm. Well, most seniors are done in May, June, and they're going to be sitting there waiting to see what these guys do in a transfer. So I, I, I think there needs to be something or or maybe each team's allowed, you know, two transfers or yeah. you could take two guys out of the transfer portal. But it, there's got to be some some sort of steps, I think, yeah. that have to go in there to protect. Otherwise, you're just going to have a ton of kids that end up going JUCO, mm-hmm. D2, D3, yeah. U-Sport, um, guys that should be playing Division One, And, and mm-hmm. you know, if I'm U-Sport, I'm sitting there saying, man, I'm, I'm licking my chops at the fact that, like, yeah. there's going to be some killers playing in that league. That's and that's what I thought too. I was, I was ta- when I talked to some of the esports coaches, I'm like, "Do you guys ever just sit down and talk about maybe the fact that we could be, for the lack of a better term, a Canadian JUCO? Like all the kids that want to go play D1, promise them that you'll let them leave after the year, and just 
let them go in, go crazy for one? Because he's supposed. Yeah, I, I think you could. I definitely think you could. Um, I just think that these kids get locked so in, and and you have to look at the academic side mm -hmm. where hey, they could get into some U sport schools, but most of them, you know, really lock in on their sixteen core yeah. credits for NCAA eligibility, mm -hmm. and then you get your full graduation, but it's not necessarily everything that, you know, uh, a U sport school would want in terms of, you know, your, right. your for you courses and all that mm -hmm. and for acceptance. So I think there's a balance there, but I think, you know, I think it's got to become more viable um, yeah. or more obtainable for a Canadian kid to say, I want to go to U sport yeah. without a huge price tag hanging on their head mm -hmm. so that, you know, if you got a D one offer and it's, it's okay. Yeah. And you got a U sport offer and it's okay. Yeah. You stay and play in U sport rather yeah. than coming back. So there's gotta be something to, to help balance that out. I think. Right. Cause I, I would imagine, actually, I know that the academic uh, threshold for U sports is just as high, if not higher to, to play with them. And then the compensation that the school gives you to, to play there is not, not, <laughs> it's not enough. It's not, not enough. enough. Like, like, I mean, you, you can give a kid a full ride and then, the school can make money if you're not selling at the, you're selling at the games or I think something. That's a commitment that we need to make. And yeah. that's, that's the biggest difference when you, mm -hmm. when you sit down and you really look at it is the prep schools are committing to keep the best talent here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying the prep schools are competing against U sport at right. all, but U sport is competing against division one or they should be. Yeah. And, and the difference is, is the sports culture mm -hmm. in the U S those basketball players in that school want to give scholarships mm -hmm. versus you know, at, at U Sport, it's not necessarily that. Like, they're not going to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to give fifteen full ride scholarships right. for kids to come to, you know, University ABC." Right. Um, but I think that the alumni and and the culture, we got we got to help build that up on on the U Sport side to make that viable and, yeah. and make you know U Sports competitive against kids mm -hmm. having to leave. No, University of ABC would be a fire name. No, <laughs> I was thinking like University of Andrew. But <laughs> maybe maybe one time. But uh, um, so what about um, let's start here. How many NBA players have you coached in your tenure? Or I mean, obviously, go on to I'm play. I'm gonna say somewhere north of fifteen, eighteen, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Do you find a similar archetype, if you will, or a similar sort of skill? Not maybe not skill set because you can have guards, you can have bigs that have different skill sets, but mindset. Um, between those 15 to 18 guys? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, without, it, it, it's not a secret. I think, you, you know, you, you got to, you look at the eye test and, mm -hmm. and you say, oh, this kid's really big. You know, he's got long arms, he's got big feet, long legs. Mm -hmm. um, and then they possess a skill. Um, mm -hmm. And you got to really be able to analyze that player. And I think too often there's too much going into trying to make a whole player. And, mm -hmm. and I don't want it to sound wrong. Like, yeah there is aspects that you got to work on but right. but you and i both possess a skill right. a basketball player that's at an elite level possesses a skill mm -hmm. you got to determine what that is and then really work on it mm -hmm. and then really structure your training and your development around helping them mm -hmm. take away some weaknesses but you got to keep building that right. strength you you look at take the anomalies out of the nba and, mm -hmm. and you look at back you know, um, Corey Joseph was a great passer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he could score. Tristan Thompson was a rebounder. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at every single guy that's been drafted out of Canada, mm -hmm. they have a unique skill right. or a unique skill set. Um, it's not everything. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think those kids have really locked in on focusing on, I'm just going to be the best at this. Mm-hmm. Um, the non-negotiable is you got to be able to play defense and then you have your skill. Right. Um, you know, Lugans Dort, I look at, you know, Brookwood Elite did an amazing job with him. We got him at Orangeville for, mm-hmm. for you know, a year and a bit. And he focused in on, on being able to shoot. He worked on, he, he was a prolific scorer, a, a super duper athlete. Right. Um, and then, you know, defense wasn't his number one strength. Really? Um, exactly <laughs> what you said. Like, like he, you know, he was good, but yeah. like, he was a scorer. He was yeah. a, a flat out, I want to dunk on you. I'm going to yeah. be in your face. I'm going to get downhill. I'm going to, I'm going to take some shots. Um, but he's, he's carved his niche as mm-hmm. one of the best defenders in the NBA. And, and that's not something that he had early on. He was capable, yeah. but it wasn't what he hung his hat on. Right. It's what he needed to do to establish himself as, as who he is now. If I gave you the truth serum right now, and I asked you back in the day, did you think Lou Dort was an NBA player? Hell yes. Yeah? Hell yes. Would pe- I, I, I missed Lou Dort. So again, like I really started covering prep. He was a man. So he, he, he was, was a man playing... You you just you walk in the gym and you just knew like yo this kid is was he still built he he was built exactly like he is now (laughs) killing high school kids yeah and then um so is there anything specifically that I guess a high schooler right now can work towards in order to best replicate those things because obviously there's God given gifts and there's guys that are just grown men by the time they get to prep school which maybe isn't on the cards for everyone, but like, what's the most, I guess, repeatable thing that the majority of kids could do to it, It's funny because we had this conversation the other day and it, it's, COVID really, I think, took a lot of kids backwards, obviously, mm-hmm. because we couldn't play, but it also put them into a box of like Zoom training and they all yeah. became these dribbling machines. And <laughs> they forgot how to play team basketball. Right. So I, I think... You know, when you look at it, I talk to college coaches all the time and they say, you know, if you can't shoot, don't recruit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, shooting is, you see it, you know, in every college game and every NBA game, if you can't make shots, you can't play. If you can't yeah. defend your position, you can't play. Yeah. So I think for, for kids that are, are coming up is understanding who and what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the things that you don't want to hear are the things that you absolutely need to hear because, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 a have to find out who who and what you are as a player mm-hmm. and then you got to find out what your strengths and weaknesses are and i think you know all these kids now have personal trainers and that like i think you need to go to a personal trainer with a plan yeah. of who you are what do i hang my hat on and what do i need to work on mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't know that then when you hire those trainers they should be able to be able to give you the feedback of who and what you are and what you do good and what you don't do good yeah and i'd seek that I kind of got scatterbrained right now because I'm also thinking about what you said earlier about how um, when you're talking about a player reinforcing like the one thing they do really, really well, working on their weaknesses, but double down on the thing that they do really well. From your perspective, when you're building a team, are you taking, you know, the 12 to 15 best uh, best guys with the highest upside or are you looking at, well, this guy's skill complexion really complements another person's skill like how, how do you go about uh recruiting for the prep season yeah like that? That, that that's a great question yeah. um because you know in the last four years we've rebuilt every single year um mm-hmm. with the exception of last year because of covid right um so we lose eight or nine guys and, and mm-hmm. what i look to do is is start to put pieces of the puzzle together mm-hmm. and and strictly on on who complements each other not right. not just trying to put you know, the 12 best guys on the floor, because that just doesn't work. Right. Um, 
you know, you you need, and I believe it starts with a pass first point guard, mm-hmm. a guy that that just has such a heavy value right. on trying to get other guys to look good, yeah, um, and not so much worried. And and I've been blessed with some amazing point guards in, yeah. in my coaching career with, you know, starting way back with a Jaron Skeet, Nick, mm-hmm. um, Nick Lewis, um, Tyler, um, you know, uh, Nas Long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, Kevin Zavo. <laughs> um, and then, and then as recently, you yeah. know, I was super blessed with like Shamar Wraith and Mays, yeah. uh, who was just a leader and wanted to, right. um, you know, make everyone around him work hard and, and mm-hmm. be better. And then, and then, um, Darius Diavero, mm-hmm. um, which were two amazing point guards for mm-hmm. building a team around. So I really start at the point guard position. I look for a guy that's going to make everyone better. Yeah. A guy that, you know, when you, if if I was recruiting you and I say, right. "Hey, our point guard wants to give you the ball," yeah, you're gonna be like, "Hey, I want to play there" because most point yeah. guards don't want to give up the ball. <laughs> um, and you know, and then and then really look at a one three five. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest goal is find the right one, mm-hmm. get an athletic three and a dominant five. Yeah, uh, and then you know, this year we were good with a, a pick and pop four mm-hmm. uh, that could really shoot it in Rory Stewart. Yep, uh, and then athletic threes, and then I play two point guards. Mm-hmm. So. I know the ball is going to be moving. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we could defend the positions, and so it's really starting with who does what, right? Who's going to make each other look good, and who are willing passers because this ball's got to move to to win. Have you gotten into any like fiery debates with uh, you know D ones or U sports or whatnot about uh, like small point guards? Because I feel like you'd have a soft spot for small point guards in your heart, like I, I do. I, I definitely do. Um, it's just so tough, man. They yeah. they can't see past like, you know, Shamar Wraith and Mays mm-hmm. was was just awesome and, and he's a amazing leader and, and mm-hmm. you know, he's gonna go to war for you if you're a coach. Yeah. And that's what you want as a coach. Right. And it and it's a balance because you look at before those kids, you know, you, you walk back in the gym here and you got point guards that are scoring, 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 right. scoring. And that's all good. Right. But colleges want point guards that could pass the ball and make guys mm-hmm. around them better. And then you look at the NBA and it's all scoring point guards again. There's yeah. very few <laughs> pass first point guards. Right. So it's like you got to balance with with kids to understand like, hey, your your dream is the NBA. Your yeah. goal is college. Yeah. In order to get us to check off the boxes to your goals, you're gonna have to pass the ball. Right. Um, you know, if you're gonna score at that level, you're probably gonna play off the ball at the two or three. Right. Um, and then in the NBA, you're probably not big enough to guard threes or right. play the three. So you got to figure out that balance. Mm-hmm. I got a soft spot for small guards, but obviously when you recruit, you sit there and look, Hey, I want six, two, six, three, six, four. Right. Um, you know, next year going into our season, we got six, seven point guards. Right. So, you know, we're, we're kind of all over the map, but if you could pass the ball, yeah, then you could play. Yeah. Cause I, I was having that debate with Jaden, like about Jaden Clayton. I'm like, okay, he's not, you know, the tallest point guard, but I love that kid. He yeah. unlocked Fort Erie. I mean, yeah. Leonard Miller was doing a great job in his own regard of facilitating, but then you add Jaden Clayton and who had the ball in the OSBA finals down the stretch. Yeah. The point guard. He's a facilitator, <laughs> right. which is exactly, you know, and Char- Charles is smart. Charles yeah. is a smart coach. He knew yeah. if he could get Jaden back, it's yeah. just going to free up everything for him and everybody mm-hmm. gets better instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, it's hard to find those. Yeah. Um, we sit here and, and we come back to, probably the best point pass first point guard the league mm-hmm. in the league yeah. Jaden Clayton uh, we probably had the best scoring guard or one of the best scoring right. guards in Jefferson Monegro right um you know so you you look at that and you say okay mm-hmm. you know for what 
Fort Erie needed, he was the perfect piece of right. the puzzle to complete it. Yeah. No, and and the fact that I don't think he's committed yet either. No. I, I mean, I'm sure Buzz has picked up after the fact, and there's going to be a lot of gravity uh, with the Leonard Miller situation, but it was like, even if that kid was playing wherever, like, he shouldn't have to be waiting this long. He's, it, it goes back to it. I mean, yeah. you got to you gotta really, mm-hmm. you know, be on it. And I think the one thing that, that's hurt our league is is the competitiveness, how I started out mm-hmm. saying it, because a kid like Jaden Clayton in the finals mm-hmm. is amazing. A kid like Jaden Clayton in a 50-point game is probably not playing a lot. Right. Uh, and for the most part, you have more blowouts than you do good games. Right. So your tape is now, you know, yeah, I'm not exactly. going to say compromised, but right. it's you play eight minutes, you're up 20, you go mm-hmm. to the bench, you're, the bench takes it up to 30, 40, and mm-hmm. you just don't play a lot. So now your points per game are down, your yeah. minutes are down, your all your averages are down, and mm-hmm. coaches in the U.S. are really hung up on this, I'm going to watch it in synergy. Right. Well, they don't understand our game yeah. up here in synergy of, yeah. you know, we play 40-minute games. We play 10-minute mm-hmm. quarters, defensive efficiencies. Um, you know, we foul. Mm-hmm. You know, we work hard for eight minutes to get two minutes to be able to foul and right. be aggressive in, in the FIBA game. Yeah. But you're punished for every foul in synergy. So right. now when a college coach looks in at the stats, they say, damn, that guy, he's, he's a terrible defender. No, yeah. like – our our best defender on Orangeville, in synergies, our worst defender. That right. makes no sense to me. Yeah, uh, it's how we play. Also, synergy is like flat out wrong a lot of the times. <laughs> like the, I had access to it for a little bit. I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, I was at this game, and this is not. This isn't even true. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I go in I go in there sometimes and not killing synergy, but yeah. like, damn, like I, I'm looking at this clip and it's not even the kid I'm supposed to be looking right. at. Right. Um, so I, I mean, they do a pretty good job, but then, you know, we play 45 games in the U S and mm-hmm. 22 in Canada, only 2018 games show up in synergy yeah. and there's 45 missing from when we're in the States. Right. And if I'm a U.S. college coach, I want those 45 games from the States. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not the perfect solution, but I mean, it's a start, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think anybody will take the that. Ca- sort of- the counter for it is we just got to get these coaches back out to the gym. We yeah. need them back up here. And I think with the COVID test and the border lockdown and things, it, w- it was tough. So they really mm-hmm. relied on video and synergy, but we got to, we got to reverse that. And I know I had a conversation with Charles the other day and we're, and we're going to look at doing some real show, good showcase events early mm-hmm. uh, and get that buzz really popping for next right. year and, and get those coaches over the border again. Yeah. You know, any photographers I'm, I'm right here. There you go. <laughs> um, I really wanted to ask you quickly to, I wanted to touch on the kind of the coach's journey because I think a, a good portion of people that are going to watch this are going to be aspiring coaches as well. And you've laid out quite a legacy here in Canada. Uh, I want to start off with a statement that I don't know is true. So would you say it is true that um, X's and O's are 50% or less of being a successful prep coach? How much is recruiting? How much is ego management? How much is... Because I know some guys that are killers at the X's and O's, but is that enough? I, I, I think it's both. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's fifty percent. Like in this league, to you know, when you come up against uh, you know Fort Erie or you know uh, a USA, or th- like X and O's mm-hmm. are are everything. Right. Um, if you can't run stuff, it, it only takes you so far. And if you can't recruit the right players for what you want to run, mm-hmm. um, then 
it's a waste of time for that as right. well, and you end up throwing the ball out. Um, right. But that doesn't get players recruited, and, mm -hmm. and you're starting to see that. Like, just throwing the ball out and letting a kid do whatever he wants is not enough for a game film for a D1 coach to say mm -hmm. he could execute or he can he can complete plays or or he competes on both ends. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you got to have the X and O's, but I think in this prep game you got to get the right players, right. Uh, and then you got to build your offense for the players you have the right. offense can't stay the same all the time yeah um and i think that's that's huge and you know for us i tell our, our my coaches all the time is like let's figure out what these kids are good at in our mm -hmm. individuals and you know if a kid shoots 40 percent from three on the left side of the floor and, mm -hmm. and 21 percent from the right then let's flip our offense so that kid's right. getting catches where he's where he can make them right and then our workouts should be on that opposite side right. where he's not making them um, but we can't tell a kid in a game take those shots we know he's not making in mm -hmm. open open workouts right. so it's it's really connecting with your players understanding their strengths and weaknesses and then you know being able to execute i i, I think it's it's probably you know 65 70 percent x and o's mm -hmm. um and then the rest is is development and and recruiting Coach, we're going to take two seconds just to make sure the camera's still rolling. I just realized no that. I usually have a camera guy with me, so no problem. two seconds. Oh, yeah. See, it's about to turn off in 15 seconds. Um, yeah, we can there just... There I mean, that means we're probably cutting... Oh, I'm sorry. No, Wait we're good. Don't worry Are about sure? it. Yeah. Okay, okay we're back. Um, it was actually that quick in real life, too. I just flicked <laughs> it, it on and off. <laughs> um, so... Between recruiting and X's and O's, um, did you struggle with one more than the other coming into the coaching? No, I, I, I think it's it's so funny because someone told me this year. I'll even say it, Charles. He's like, yeah. he came up to me and he's like, Yo, Tony, like you've gotten so much better as a coach. Yeah, <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> and, is. <laughs> and I, and I'm like, I can respect that. Yeah, because now you're paying attention to what we're actually doing. Right. Right. Um, but I, I mean. We've had so much talent that people overlook the coaching. Mm -hmm. When you have that much talent on on a team, you got to be able to coach, or that stuff's right. going to be a mess. Right. Um, and and you're going to see players get up and leave, and mm -hmm. and they're not going to want to come back because you can't manage that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's when you have talent, but the talent doesn't override the coaching that people actually see the mm -hmm. coaching. Right. Um, so I, I I think early on. Um, I probably was too too restrictive on like yeah we're gonna run this and yeah. we're gonna do it my way and that's yeah. it and if you don't you're not gonna play and right. and and now it's a balance of mm -hmm. like okay well I'm putting you in a place where you should be happy as heck because mm -hmm. I I know who and what you are and I'm gonna give you the ball in those spots to make you look great right and this isn't a battle between me and you this is me trying to make you great right um, and I think when you get that and and each of your players totally understands that you're there for them. Yeah. Those are easy conversations and those are, everyone's locked in in timeouts. Everyone, because right. like, Hey, he, he's doing this for us. It's not, I'm not trying to get a, a college job. My mm -hmm. assistants are. Right. Um, but they're not grabbing the whiteboard and, and running X and O's for you. Right. Um, so it's super interesting that you, uh, that you say that. Cause that was actually going to lead me to my next question. Um, you, you've been coaching prep for quite a while. Do you have to refresh the interest in it? every now and then or how do you keep it motivated how do you i mean you I, must have I been off, you must have been offered chances to step up as well yeah absolutely and and for me it's i i started coaching 
period. I, I started my own AAU program and I started mm-hmm. coaching to get one kid a scholarship. That, right. that was my thing. I said, if I could get one guy a scholarship, I'm mm-hmm. done coaching. Like yeah. I just, that was my challenge. That's what I wanted right. to do. And now every single year I sit down and I say, I just want to get one kid a scholarship mm-hmm. and because we're defeating, we're, we're, we're defying the odds here. Right. Um, you know, we're averaging, you know, over the last five, six years, we're averaging eight division one scholarships a year out of right. Orangeville. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. We're, we're, we got eight guys from Orangeville that are in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, we won the lottery eight times. Yeah. <laughs> so every single year it's like, okay, I just need one more. I just right. need one more. And I won't lie. I think every coach will tell you, like I, I say every single year by the end of the year, okay, I'm quitting. I'm done. Yeah. It's over. It's wrap. Right. And, and then you get a week off and you say, no, no, I got to go back. Yeah, like, exactly. I, like, I miss it. Have you ever gotten gotten closer than just the no. the one night? It, it's always come back. It's, it's always, you know, you, you're around these guys so much mm-hmm. um, that like when the season's done, you just need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when you go on that break, like I've never taken a vacation. So right. a break for me is going home on a Friday and going back to work on Sunday. Yeah. And, and so it's like, okay, I'm going to take a Monday. And then by Tuesday, you're like, no, nah, I want to get back in practice again. Right. I, want, I want to work these guys out. Like, it, it kind of recalibrates your your mind on why you're doing it. And, and you're like, nah, this kid, okay. You start thinking about the individuals and you're like, mm-hmm. this kid needs this, this, and this. Let me get back in and work on it. Right. And it, it's just a drive to like the successes. And I, I hope this doesn't sound wrong. The mm-hmm. successes I've had with my family, my mm-hmm. own personal kids, is what drives me to make sure that other parents get mm-hmm. to feel that feeling of, you know, signing a scholarship mm-hmm. and watching your kid on TV and, you know, going to will call at a game and picking up your two right. tickets while the game's on ESPN. Like those are crazy moments as a parent. And right. I, I, like, truthfully, I just want those parents to be able to experience it mm-hmm. rather than me sit there in a recruiting meeting and tell you what it feels like. Right. Um, what was the, uh, the wow moment with your kids? Obviously, is, is it is it going to the uh, will call the first time to pick up the tickets? Or? It, it probably was. It was probably like, damn, like I've I've I always had a problem mm-hmm. separating dad from coach because yeah. it was like coach just never goes away, right? And when you realize that, hey, everything is okay because your kids got that scholarship, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and. I think that's what drives me so hard in Canada is that mm-hmm. I had to send my kids away to the U.S. to right. do it. So, at fourteen, fifteen years old, you're raising your kids over the phone. Yeah, you're you're, you know, they may have a scholarship to a U.S. prep school, mm-hmm. but you're spending a ton of money traveling and trying to get to games and flying and just maintaining contact and 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 support. Right. Um, so that's one of the driving things when, you know, I had this opportunity, I was like, no, nah, we got to keep kids here. Yeah. We got like parents got to get their kids home on weekends and if they want to come to practice. And that's one of the things I tell all our parents, come to every single practice, walk yeah. in the gym, your family. I want you to watch your kid practice yeah. because I couldn't. Right. And, and so that, I think that helps drive it as well. Um, so like any coach, every coach gets a little fired up on the sidelines. Have you ever said anything that was really funny after you when you thought about it and you had to like hold in last when you're like exploding at a refs because I, I feel like i might have caught one this year oh man we have to stay serious right because you want the call i'm, I'm trying I'm, try, I'm trying to be serious now and i think anyone who's coached with me is probably going to be like yeah, yeah like i'm going to say no i never said anything bad and i've never swore <laughs> at a ref but yeah no um, it happens it definitely i, I i've said a lot of things mm. I, i've done I, I remember um 
I mean, this year I got thrown out uh, at a, at the USA game, and mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the season on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to get thrown out. We were in an EYBL game against right. uh, Oakland Soldiers. Right. Um, I tried to get thrown out, and I said the craziest stuff to the ref. <laughs> and we were down about we had, we had left at four in the morning. We flew mm-hmm. all day. We got there. We played. It was a nine p.m. game, California time, mm-hmm. which was midnight, and we had left at four in the morning here. Mm-hmm. We were just getting our butt kicked on the court, right. and it was the first quarter. We were down twenty. Yeah. And I told the ref everything and anything, like yeah. you name it. Yeah. I said it to him to the point. I I was walking down the court with him, trying to get thrown out, cussing and swearing. Right. And he puts his arm around me and said, "Coach, if I have to watch this shit, you gotta watch this shit." <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't kick me out. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I get it. He he understands yeah. the game and. Um. You know, I don't know. What did, what did you catch this year? Yeah, no, <laughs> but well, I, I wanted to ask about like the strategy of it, right? So is it more of like a signal to the to the guys on the bench, like, hey, next practice is going to suck? Like, mom and dad aren't invited to that one? Or is it more like, no, are you trying to rally them up? Like, I think it's trying to rally them up. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, referees mm-hmm. sometimes get into a rut of like, okay, I'm going to call this. One team's more aggressive and one mm-hmm. team's not. And y- y- you try to get it balanced and, and you know, coaches are never happy mm-hmm. it, it could get balanced and you feel like you should be up nine nothing right it could be nine nothing against you and you feel like it should be yeah. balanced so it's like being a referee sucks like, yeah i'd never do it <laughs> um but i understand it mm-hmm. i think what they have to do is be able to communicate better with the coaches and walk over and have mm-hmm. a little bit more conversation because i think it would keep the animosity of yelling across the court or, mm-hmm. or making comments better if you could walk by and say yo coach i missed that one i got yeah. you on the next call right. and you were like all right like yeah and it must have happened to you a thousand times too where you watch the film back and make oh wait maybe stripes didn't mess up that call no i, I yeah all the time you only see it from your team's perspective right. you try to you try to tell them like no i'm trying to watch this game and be neutral but like you want your call you you want your mm-hmm. team to get your calls that you think you deserve right um and you know I'm not going to say nothing about referees, mm-hmm. but that, that's a tough job. Um, to wrap it up, do you have any, any do you have any stories about any of the Hold NBA? On. You said you might have caught one this year. I need to I, know I, what that is. Um, it was the USA game. I thought, I thought it looked like it was purposeful. Um, uh, I was watching it. I think it was a live stream, or was I watching on Mix Six? And I was when <laughs> when you're up and down the court, I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was probably that same game in USA. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was that. That was a. a, a I'll say we we never went back and played at the playground after that. But that was it. I think that was the same weekend. I think I was covering games there earlier that weekend, and people were like slipping and yeah, it, it was, was really rough. it was real slippery. Um, you know, obviously with COVID, there's so many restrictions, but mm-hmm. we got left out in the parking lot for like an hour right, before a game. Yeah. Um, we got in there. The other team had already warmed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got. I got into it with the ref when he put five minutes on the clock, and we weren't even changed oh, yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like. This is this is elite level basketball. Like, I and and I don't want to sound cocky when I say yeah. it, but like, these are potential millionaires that we're right. coaching. Like, we don't know which one of these kids go on, but we definitely know. And for us, like, mm-hmm. we had eight guys go Division One, so we have mm-hmm. eight guys with hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line of scholarships. Mm-hmm. And you take us out of the snow and give us a four minute warm up, right? Like, no, I'm gonna fight for that all day long. We need to warm up, and if this is elite basketball, you should want that yeah for these athletes as well i think that might have been the same weekend where teams just started pulling out saying look we're not going to play the games this week because uh, it was that's why i was like yo like it, it came down to either i'm out of here mm-hmm. or i'm going to take my team and get out of here one mm-hmm. or the other 
And, you know, I, I hate when other coaches take their whole team and just walk out of the gym. So it was like, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just try to get our guys fired up. And the ref and I weren't yeah. going to see eye to eye for the whole game anyways because right. we already had it out in warm-up. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to take a quick trip. And, yeah. I mean, they kicked me out, and I sat in the top of the stands coaching anyways. So it was, right. like, <laughs> it was kind of a waste. Yeah, I know. If anyone needs to stay in the parking lot, it's probably the guy just that picked you out the <laughs> you know? Um Yeah, so do you have any uh stories about any of the nba guys that you've coached throughout the years that maybe haven't gotten to to have their day in the sun yet it's like it's a really cool story that just hasn't been out there yet i know it's a mm -hmm. super wide question but i don't know i i think you know there, there's so many stories mm -hmm. obviously you grow up with these guys and and you see them i think i think the one that that's pretty unique and and uh is o'shea Brissett, mm -hmm. and i think you know he had a great season this year and mm -hmm. and we always saw it but um when o'shea was at finley prep and i said i want you to come back and come play for me at orangeville mm -hmm. um it was kind of you know some apprehension there mm -hmm. and i don't know what it was but i i worked him out that day and i watched him and and it was i really just seen something and and you could tell like when i work a kid out or or i'm i'm in the gym with a kid and and there's there there's just a look in their eye when they mm -hmm. get in their zone and I told O'Shea, I said, you're going to be an NBA player. Yeah. And this was coming back from Finley when he barely played. Right. I said, I'm going to let you play the wing. You're going to play the three. And, you know, I guarantee you that if you do what I ask you to do, you're you're going to be in great shape. Mm -hmm. What's your dream school? He said, Syracuse. I picked up Beheim. I said, hey, I got one for you. He committed a week later. Yeah. And he's playing for, uh, you know. I said, I'm so sure that you're going to make the NBA. I, I got to call a timeout because that was the most subtle flex I've ever heard in my life. I picked up the phone. I called Beheim. I said, hey, I got this kid. I like, I, I'm working him out right now. He's this like, was <laughs> Jeremy Grant all over. Yeah. You know, Jeremy Grant had just left Syracuse. Yeah. Um, and O'Shea was an athletic, athletic mm -hmm. wing that could shoot the ball, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was, it was done. Like, yeah. Hey, you're, you fit that mold and you could go in there and shoot it and rebound and do everything that, that mm -hmm. you need there. And you're seeing how good he is right now. Yeah. Like he, he could score the ball. He could defend. He can, he can rebound. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that's a good kid right there. Were you surprised to see him fall, uh, slip through the cr cracks in Toronto? Or was this kind yes. of like the circumstances wasn't right type thing? Or? I think for everybody, it's, you gotta be at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Truthfully. I think in Toronto, they just have so many young athletic bigs. Right. Um, and, and for O'Shea, it was, O'Shea is a shot taker. He, he needs yeah. to be able to take shots. And I think when you have Siakam and you have, you know, OG and yeah. you have, you know, the guards, mm -hmm. you know, he needed to be in a spot where he was, he was kind of the one or the right. guy that they trusted doing that. And, right. you know, I think he struggled a little bit when he was with 905 mm -hmm. uh, and he got to go up and down with the Raptors there. So, um, you know, I think it was just a confidence thing. Mm -hmm. Now you get into a new city, new coach, and they believe in you, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden the sky's the limit. I might be completely off base here, but and I'm going to cut it out if I'm wrong. So, um, was Jamal Murray an athlete institute guy? Yep. Um, I've heard a lot of stories about his work ethic in particular. Do you have any, um, or I don't know how to frame this, but like, like. What do you think his prospects are of coming back from an injury like the oh. one he's done? Like, if someone's cut for it, it's him. A thousand times better than before <laughs> he he left. Like that kid is, um, you know, he used to work out. We used to shut the lights off and mm -hmm. and try to get him out of the gym, and he would still be shooting. Yeah. 
uh, he, he used to laugh at us and say, you think uh, turning the lights off is going to make me miss shots? <laughs> um, you know, I, he's just, he's tough as they come and as dedicated as they come. And his dad and him have an amazing bond mm -hmm. where, you know, their, their work ethic and what they've been through and, and what, what they've, you know, what he's been taught uh, really comes out on the court. And, mm -hmm. You know, I remember we were in an EYBL game and we were down, I think we were down two and we had the last shot and. I think I started to draw it up and he reached out and kind of erased it. It's yeah. like, uh, uh, I'm taking this shot. You, and I'm like, okay, just inbound to Jamal then. And he, and you, you're okay with that. I was like, well, it's, I it, mean, it's him. the kid, the kid was a scorer. Yeah. So we, we ran a quick something. Jamal gets it, fades away, falling out yeah. of bounds. It was crazy because if you remember during the bubble, when he was going off, he was mm -hmm. hitting those fall away out of bounds right. threes yeah he hit that exact same shot in eybl to yeah. win the game and just turned and looked and just gives a thumbs up <laughs> just like he was he's he's been you know I, I think he was a sleeper at kentucky because he had to play a different position mm -hmm. um jamal's a point guard mm -hmm. um he's a scoring guard yeah <laughs> um you know he could pass the crap out of the ball as well he could kind of do a little bit everything you want him to do mm -hmm. so i think that's why you know when he got to the nba at at Kentucky, he was a shooter. Yeah, you know, he played with Tyler Ulis and, and Isaiah Briscoe, mm -hmm. um, and he had to he had to make shots, and that's where the whole bow and arrow thing right. started coming from. Then he gets to the NBA, and people realize, oh, Jamal can play the point. Mm -hmm. Jamal always could play the point, yeah. just like Lou Dort could always score the crap out of the ball. Right. Um, so it was, you know, I, I think it's neat seeing what they hang their hat on, being mm -hmm. able to be something that they used to get there, but then people are shocked how good they could do it. Right. Coach, I could chat your ear off for another three hours if we could, <laughs> but I think we're going to put a bow in it there. Thank you so much for uh, I'm excited to see what you guys are up to next year. You said 6-7 point guard. They didn't go under the rug. I heard that. Hey, I can't wait to see that. That, one, that one's a special one coming. Guys, that's the GOAT, Coach Tony McIntyre out of Orangeville Prep. Uh, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No worries. All right, bro. Bye.